Hi! Welcome to Romantic Underpinnings. This is a once again repeat record, re-repeat cord of chapter 29 because we had once again recording malfunction. I'm Ashton. I'm Andrew. And we're doing this podcast where we're co-writing a novel and each one of us cold reads the chapter the following week, except in this case where it will be the second reading because the aforementioned malfunction and then Someone went on vacation. We apologize for the delay. Hello. It's good because this has uh, given me a chance to forget the chapter that I read a few weeks ago. And now I'm going to read it um, only lukewarm, let's say. <laughs> um, I will also take full responsibility for the recording problem to which Ashton is referring. Um, instead of the fancy $150 microphone that is attached to my computer, we, um, I accidentally recorded the episode on a potato, and it <laughs> that sounded like that. Um, yeah, you, so... You can find us online, Twitter, at RomUnderPod, Instagram, at Romantic Underpinnings, and our website's the same. Anything else we need to address before we our website. dove in? I mean, our website isn't at romantic, but it's romanticunderpinnings.com. How do you same? How do you email us if you're a huge fan and you want to email us? Go to our website and email. Yeah, but you know the address, right? (laughs) Yeah, I know. I just want you to do it because you so clearly wanted me to say it. It's hello at romanticunderpinnings.com. Is it? Yeah. Uh. Um. I mean, should we say a little? I mean, I think our devoted fans already know the deal with our novel, but I want to hear your very, very, very quick overview of the novel to this point. It's 1690. We got a dude on a spy mission, a woman masquerading as a man who's clearly found out they're in love. It's a romantic novel. There's a war on. Dutch people, British people, French people. Paramaribo. That's all I got. Yeah. I mean, it's the French and the British who are at war. Yeah, but she's Dutch. Yeah. The heroine, uh, from whose perspective I am writing my chapters, is Dutch. You just insist on dragging it out. The hero, from whose perspective <laughs> you write your chapters, is English. And his name is Anthony. The heroine's name is Agatha. They are in Paris. And they are in peril. I think that's enough. Let's explore language, romance, and resilience. And welcome to Romantic Underpinnings. Finally. Do we want to check? No, I'm living on the edge. This audio is incredible. If I have to do this again, we're going to be broken up. (laughs) I'm risking it all. (gasps) That's all? That's it all? Hang on. (laughs) Dear listeners, dear listeners, he did not risk it all. He had to check. The audio. But it's fine. Yeah. We sound great. You've never heard a better sounding (laughs) podcast. Never. Because. They don't exist. We have basically as good recording equipment as you need for a podcast. I wouldn't like record a, you know, symphony orchestra with this microphone. Why not? Uh, I think you want more little microphones to get the sound just right. Mm. Um, But, you know, like for human voice, only two human voices, pretty good. Bi-directional, I'll have you know. 
Um, so it's basically as good as you can get for the human voice. And two voices such as ours have never been captured before on a podcast. Such melodious tinctures for thine ears. I couldn't have said it better <laughs> myself. Uh, that was bad. I didn't like it. You should take ownership, especially because you said that really quietly. And wow. even with a good microphone, I sometimes have to uh, go in and turn up the volume on the parts where you mutter. <gasps> Are you insinuating that I mutter? I'm the one who, you know, wrangles the waveforms into shape each week. Or do you? Well, I do <laughs> when I, I, I mean, there's a limited amount of wrangling that can be done with the potato recording. I less. thought you were going to make the mutter hardly know our joke, but you disappointed Oh, me. oh, I really like um, that episode of Seinfeld where they're talking about racehorses and um, there's something like, he's a mutter, his mutter was a mutter, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I remember that. Yeah, some, some, some. Something about a horse that runs well in the mud. And his mutter was a mutter. It, uh, it was the peak of comedy. Hardly know her. Exactly. <laughs> <clears throat> Chapter 29. Again. Not for them, it's just for us. I know. Anthony squinted at the sudden light flooding his tiny cell. He couldn't quite make out the man who had entered. He could tell it was a man by a sheer height. His eyes adjusted so slowly as to be practically useless. It was long seconds of silence before anyone had anything to say. The silence stretched out a beat longer than Anthony taught. Sorry, that was me. The silence stretched out a beat longer than Anthony thought was totally necessary but he still couldn't quite tell who the man in front of him was. I was really having like a I taught I taught putty tat moment. Well, also, how long is the silence? That Anthony <laughs> thought totally necessary. Unnecessary. And it also was a long silence that silenced for so long that whatever. I mean, come on, Ashton, that was bad. No, no, you're just describing exactly what it's like to be let out of a cell under. He's like, not let out. He's sitting there, isn't he? Well, yeah, but. Oh, oh, shit, I just spoiled it. <gasps> he gets let out? Well, he is in a cell under a brewery in Paris in 1690, and the door opens. Right. And a man walks in, and he doesn't know who it and is. he walks into a bar. Ouch. Yes. <laughs> and you described exactly what all of that exchange was like. <laughs> Did I? <clears throat> J Jack? He asked shakily. His voice was rusty from misuse, dehydration, and Disuse. fear. Disuse. <laughs> oh, you clearly wrote misuse. Ugh. The giant nodded. Aye, tis me, Captain, Jack answered back gruffly. Anthony couldn't find it in, in himself to be embarrassed at his level of undress. Such was his relief at being rescued. In the next instant, he could see the rest of the crew spilling out from behind Jack. Oh, yeah, Anthony was tied up naked in the cell. Well, they know that, I think. That was two chapters ago. Yeah, that has been an age, because somebody... Exactly. ...has been lax. Yes. 
and bad at using a very, very common and easy to use recording (laughs) application uh, that's available across all major operating systems. Anyway, Captain Charlie exclaimed before clapping a hand over his mouth in deference to their rescue mission. Several of the other members managed to sush him, but the damage, if any, had been wrought by Charlie's outburst. You wrote sush there. I know we did this last time. Shush. Sush, I tell you. Suffering shakatash. Sush your pie ole. That was like such a long burn. It was a long wait for a short burn, but I wanted to... (laughs) I wanted to have some term for mouth that had an H in it that I could then leave out, like the H is left out of sush. Shut. Like the H you left out of shush. So I had to use pie hole or pie ole, as the case may be. Is this like, I wish I was the H being left out of this conversation? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I made that joke funnier by explaining it. Anyway. As all jokes are. Yes. Um, yokes. <laughs> I have a great sense of umer. <laughs> no one's gonna listen uh, to this. <laughs> they're gonna listen over and over again. Anthony was still held fast by the chair, but he couldn't help looking around for Agatha. He needed to see her face, he needed to reassure himself that she was all right that although he had missed their meeting and put everyone in danger, she could be found well and whole. He needed to be rid of these bindings. As soon as his thoughts snagged in his brain, it also seemed to occur to Lobo. Freedom, Captain, Lobo asked rhetorically, as he knelt next to Anthony's bound wrists with a knife he'd pulled from his boot. Anthony managed a short nod, still not seeing Agatha. His searching eyes must have been obvious, for Lobo looked up at him. Aye, she's her, he confirmed, without taking his eyes away from the binding at Anthony's wrists. Anthony looked up again to search the dungeon. The dungeon. The The An- crab. I <laughs> <laughs> was truly astonishing. Come on, it was good. It was. Anthony looked up again to search the. J- now it's a cemental block. <laughs> now it's dungeness. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna take a running leap at it. Anthony looked up again to search the dungeon, only to find the small figure of Agatha staring at him from the corner. He couldn't quite make out all her features as she stood apart from the hubbub of the other men and was silently waiting in the corner. Their eyes caught and held in the dim light. Anthony could feel a surge of heat pass in the exchange. Her eyes were dark with worry, but she cocked her head, asking a silent question. He nodded in assent. The concern didn't fade from her gaze, but her posture relaxed slightly. Had he not been staring at her, he wouldn't have caught it at all. Finally, his hands were free, and Lobo was set to work on his ankles. His men had done a remarkable job, for them, of staying quiet. (laughs) Dunley stage whispered. Jack, give the cap your coat, will ye? No one need to see them minuscule bollocks swinging. The crew managed to stifle their laughter and retain some of their stealth. Jack shrugged out of his coat 
and held it out to Anthony. Anthony managed to stand once Lobo had freed both his ankles, but as he managed to get one arm into a sleeve before pitching suddenly to one side. (laughs) His legs are asleep. Oh, okay. But it's not very well written, obviously. I mean, there's just like a few rogue (laughs) words that made their way into that sentence from other sentences. Yeah. (laughs) He's trying to put the coat on. He's trying to balance. He's falling over. He doesn't, he hasn't been standing for a while and his legs were tied too tight to the chair. And apparently it's been rather cold. (laughs) Sure. Anyway. That was just more of a joke, not an actual notation on the actual size. So Dunley is not making a dispassionate size observation. He's ju- he's just saying that regardless of the Yeah, actual... if it would have been anyone, he would have said that. Ah. Like, that's just like teasing. Oh, okay. That's one Your of the... Your favorite thing. I don't understand verbal teasing, everyone. <laughs> um, yeah, no. Or joshing. Or yeah. especially razzing. Yeah, you. Yeah, These but he would have said that to anyone. Okay. Okay. Well, any guy. Okay, I get it. Do you? Yes. Um. May God send a thunderbolt at my minuscule bollocks if I lie. See, I did it to myself. Um. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Because I'm just one of those dudes who, like, insults people, but they don't really mean it or something because (laughs) it's teasing. Like dudes. Like dudes. Yeah, yeah. Bruh. What's better than this? Guys being dudes. Is there anything? I don't even know what that quote is from. You're so bad at this. I don't even know. I don't think that's a quote that I know, so. It's from something and somewhere. But anyway, riveting. Yeah. yeah. Well, everyone likes it when guys are being dudes, especially everyone. Me, a famous (laughs) guy who's also a dude. All the guys and the dudes are like, hey, guy, check out that dude over there. Hey, dude, check out that guy over there. He's such a dude guy. And then they carry me on their shoulders um, to the bar where I drink alcohol (laughs) with them. Bruh. Yeah, and then we then we look at um, calendars uh, with ladies in bikinis and say, <laughs> she's smoking. It's just like locker room talk, you know? Oh, I think I know better than you. No, no. I, you, I like how they carry you to the bar to drink alcohol. Like, why yeah. wouldn't you just say beer? Like, there's so many wrong words in everything you just said. No, I might drink a hard kombucha with And, the like, boys. what about dem chicks who's hot in dem calendars? Like, you're like, ladies of undress. And, uh, yeah, in Des Habillets. <laughs> You're so bad at being a guy, being a dude. Oh, uh, I mean, it's, I don't want to unleash my full dudeness on you. You couldn't take it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> he hadn't had much to eat or drink, and the blood had quite gone out of his appendages after being constrained for so long. Anthony caught him, oh, sorry. Jack caught him and helped gather him mostly into the coat. What was sticking out of the coat? His arms. Okay. (laughs) He's gathering all his appendages into the coat. Okay, just making sure. (laughs) Why are you so concerned about him? 
I just don't want any bits of him sticking out of the coat. It's cold in there. <laughs> Jack's quite large. It's fine. All right. The coat's obviously mid-thigh. The coat was shabby, threadbare, and stank a bit of mildew, but it was a hell of a sight better than walking around the city. Des Javier. I didn't know you'd even included that, but thank you. I did it just for you. Or possibly Deshabil, or um, my However favorite. you say it. My favorite pronunciation pronunciation is Dishabilly. Oh no, that one's bad. No, I mean it's it's like a fun one. That's like a guy being a dude. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's the best when the when all all of us guys are Dishabilly together and oh. we're like snapping towels at each other and stuff, <laughs> like I do. <laughs> Have you ever snapped a towel in your whole life? No, I don't want to hurt anyone. It might hurt. It definitely hurts. No, no. I, I like it. I, you know, other men snap towels at each other and then I just like rub ointment onto their buttocks because I'm very nurturing. What? Yeah, that's my role in the in the dude go? hierarchy. You've never done it that. It makes me the most valuable dude, though. <laughs> Calamine lotion, you know. You've never done that. <laughs> Ever. You don't know me at all. This is unbelievable. <laughs> Due to his instability, the men jumped toward him as one unit, but Agatha made it to him only second behind Jack. After Jack steadied him, mm. Agatha maintained a vise grip on his arm. She glanced up at him, still searching. He nodded at her again. Jack slung his right arm under Anthony's left side and helped to prop him up into something like a walk. We must go, Lobo insisted after the delay. He started giving orders. Dunley, out first. I'll go next. Jack and Anthony next. Agatha, bring up the rear and cover our backs, he said. No one brooked any arguments to this plan, and they began their painfully slow caravan through the door. It was clear they were in a hurry, but in Anthony's condition, they couldn't go as fast as they would have liked to. Anthony sent a silent prayer up that they would be able to leave this godforsaken place unmolested. He thought they were in the clear. He could see a door with a window, clearly at street level, after ascending at least three levels of stairs. Anthony had lost count due to his exhaustion. Their luck was not to hold out. As they neared the exit, a loud voice overwhelmed them. The man was yelling, French! Sorry, no. The man was yelling French. Anthony oh. couldn't... <laughs> wow. Anthony couldn't make out any of what the man was saying, but he knew he didn't want any of them to stick around and find out. They all tried to hurry toward the exit, stumbling in their disorder. Somehow, the majority made it through when Anthony felt a small pull on his ankle. Agatha had fallen and made a hasty grab for whatever had been in reach. They were almost all to safety, but Agatha was sprawled in the threshold. Anthony was probably barefoot, wasn't he? Yeah. That seems uncomfortable. Yeah. People, even in the, the year of our Lord, well, we were last there in 2021, but even in the year of our Lord 2021, nobody cleaned up after their dogs in 2019, Paris. 2019, wasn't it? 2020. Oh, it's 2020. Yeah, that's 2020. right. But in 2020, unless something's changed in the last two years, people still don't clean up after their dogs in Paris. 
And I can't imagine it was a better place to walk barefoot in 1690. Well, no, and like broken glass. I mean, they're on their way to like the disreputable-ish part of town. So I can't imagine there's not like, you know, waste and oh, glass man. and whatever. In yeah, the there's a lot of horsies around. Yeah. Um. Well, this is basically diehard, though. Is he just, yeah. He's just going to get sepsis, though, next and die and their book will be over. They'll encounter a healer, uh-huh. possibly a time traveling healer. We like oh, this. Oh, I do like that. All right. <laughs> Go, she shouted at them. Away. Anthony watched in horror as a shadowed figure pulled her out and away from the door. He was so weak, but he managed to shrug Jack off and turn toward her. I know I did this last time, but I still love the sentence. He managed to shrug Jack off and <sighs> turn toward her. I forgot about that. Yikes. Come we're, on. We're not going to go on as, on as long a digression about it as we did last time. Ugh. But great, great uh, syntax. Terrible. He dove for her reaching hands. He couldn't let these despicable creatures do God knows what to Agatha. They had undressed him and tied him to a chair, seemingly for mere sport. He couldn't let them discover Agatha's gender and take advantage of her secret in in this unknown captivity. He managed to snag both her hands and began pulling her to him, with Jack bracing him and attempting to haul them both out into the courtyard. He gripped her tighter. Once again, their eyes caught and held. She was clinging to him with all her strength, but she was saying something quite different. Let go, Anthony. I'll be fine. Run! Her words did not match the desperate grip she had on his wrists. And he refused to let her go, not after all his crew and she had done to come for him, to save him. He was unwilling to lose her now, not when he had been unable to discover the depths of his feelings for her. Not when he had been unable to discover... Yeah, he hasn't. They haven't had time to discover the depth of feeling oh, betwixt them. What do you okay. Mean? Why is that confusing? I was okay. I thought it was like I would have gotten it better if it had been like not before he was able to discover the depths of his mm. feeling. Uh, but anyway, or not when he was still unable to discover the depths. Anyway, not before they had time to sit around <laughs> over tea, eating scones with clotted cream. And strawberry jam. Are you hungry? In order to discover their feelings for one. No, is this the best way to discover your feelings for someone? Is sitting around and eating scones and oh, possibly asking each other the New York Times uh, uh, 36 questions that make you fall in love. We haven't done that together, have we? No. Okay, anyway. <laughs> we, we skipped that part. It's weird how many people fell in love before those 36 it questions. It is weird. Anyway. Crazy. Um, they're pretty good, though. Uh, okay. <laughs> I'm trying. You're lost. I had a really weird experience with us 36 questions once, but it's not for the podcast. Not when he didn't even know how she felt about him. He would never forgive himself if he let her go now. He tightened his grip and yelled out the side of his mouth back at Jack. Harder! Pull! He was near to shouting. Jack did as instructed. Agatha broke free from the grasp of her captor with a scream. 
The sound that came from her was one that Anthony would never unhear. Something creaked between them, and he knew that one of them had suffered an injury. His adrenaline was such that he couldn't decipher in that moment if it was her or him who was injured. There was no time. Run! Someone shouted. Anthony couldn't even tell who it was. It could have been his own throat that issued the order. In an instant, it was a melee. They were all running. Anthony couldn't even be sure which way to go. He contented himself with following Jack, who was soon very far in front of him. Then Agatha shouted, To Heloises! Or Eloises! Or as you spelled it, <laughs> Helosies. H-E-L-O-S-I-E-S. That's what you get from putting an H in there. Eloise. Look, the H Listen. giveth and the H taketh away. Exactly That's what we've right. learned. Um, it was then that he noticed she was right beside him. They were keeping pace and she was giving orders. The crew turned as a tide in the direction that Anthony could guess was the body house where Agatha had been able to secure both lodging and information, both things much more successfully than Anthony had managed. Anthony, Agatha, and the rest of the men streaked out into the night toward the house of ill repute that was to be their safe haven in, for the evening and possibly the next few days. And even running for his life in nothing but a borrowed coat, Toward a body house, he couldn't be more grateful for the small, warm hand clutched in his, knowing that both he and Agatha were running apace and willing to face the future together. And he managed a tiny smile at the idea that Henry might be looking down on him in this very instant. End of chapter. That was so touching. Yeah, I know. Too bad our listeners haven't heard it yet. They're going to hear it so soon. They're all going to cry. We're going to... Well, everyone's going to know that the episode come, came out from the sudden rash of car crashes from mm. people weeping uncontrollably. Right. And driving their cars into those like weird buildings uh, that do like electrical stuff um, and cause a lot of sparks <laughs> when cars drive into them. And that's just the way it's going to have to be. You know, it'll cause some short term, you know, interruption to the national power grid. But overall, the amount of, you know, love and tenderness that we're putting into the universe in perpetuity will more than make up for it. Mm, okay. With that, you know, this episode is a little delayed. I don't see a compelling reason for the next episode to be to go out more than a week after this one. Doesn't seem to me like a compelling reason. So I'm going to say, tune in next week and you'll get another chapter of Romantic Underpinnings, the podcast that you listen to. Languidly yours.